getting it in Spanish, you, you probably, uh, you haven't noticed if my accent hasn't actually uh, give you any hints. English is not my first language. So I'm going to be reading in Spanish. You can read in your Bibles in uh, um, English. Can talk in. Um, she'll be billion? I mean, I, I don't know. Whatever it is that you feel comfortable reading. It says like this. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Temamos, pues, no sea que permaneciendo aún en la promesa de entrar en su reposo, algunos de ustedes perezcan no habiendo alcanzado. Porque también a nosotros se nos ha anunciado la buena nueva como a ellos, pero no les aprovechó el oír la palabra, por no ir acompañada de fe en los que la oyeron. Pero los que hemos creído entramos en el reposo, de la manera que dijo, por tanto juré en mi ira, no entrarán en mi reposo, aunque las obras suyas estaban acabadas desde la fundación del mundo. Porque en cierto lugar dijo así del séptimo día, y reposó Dios en todas sus obras en el séptimo día. Y otra vez aquí dijo lo mismo, no entrarán en mi reposo. Verse 6. Por lo tanto, Puesto que falta que algunos entren en él, y aquellos a quienes primero se les anunció la, la buena nueva, no entraron por causa de desobediencia. Otra vez determinará un día, hoy diciendo, después de tanto tiempo, por medio de David, como se dijo, si oyeres hoy su voz, no endurezcan sus corazones. Porque si Josué les hubiera dado el reposo, no hablaría después de otro día. Por tanto, queda un reposo para el pueblo de Dios. Porque el que ha entrado en su reposo también ha reposado de sus obras, como Dios de las suyas. Verse 11. Procuremos, pues, entrar en aquel reposo para que ninguno caiga en semejante ejemplo de desobediencia. Let's pray together. Padre Celestial, Señor, venimos delante de tu presencia esperando que hables a nuestros corazones. Señor, que te manifiestes en medio de nosotros, así como en medio de cada congregación a lo largo del estado. And Father, as we come to you, Lord, we, we want to ask for one thing and one thing only. That you would speak to us clearly today. Jesus, You are our older brother. You are sitting in heaven. And we need to hear from you today that you are still the answer to our weariness, to our exhaustion. Father, that it is in Jesus and through Jesus that we found, Father, a relationship with you. But today we can also find rest, the rest that we so desperately need. Speak to us and be with us. With a humble heart, we beg you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. As we come to this passage, we continue to think about Jesus being the answer. That's the series that you are going through. That's what you guys have been dealing with and will continue to deal in the weeks ahead. And today, I just want to spend a few minutes speaking about Jesus Christ 
being the answer to our weariness. Nowadays, a sermon, a story, a conversation without a little bit of reference about COVID-19, it's not a real conversation. We're in the process of transitioning into the new normality. The quarantine and the world pandemic has, has shaped our society in ways that we never imagined. Many, many of us have found ourselves with longer hair, new hairstyle. I don't know what happened to me. Something grew right above my lip. Um, it just happened overnight. Uh, my wife is not a fan of it, but as I told her, there's nothing I can do about it. I shave it every day in the morning after it's there. We have learned how to, to navigate meetings, sandwich meetings with, with uh, Zoom and, and all of that beautiful technology. We have learned some kind of version of sign language that we communicate with our families. Hey, I'm in a meeting, I'll be there, yeah, give me a minute. Like we, we're learning to communicate with them. But somehow along that process, we have also realized that we are exhausted, that we are tired. And I want to show you a picture. I want to show you a picture of my dog, Kennedy. Kennedy is my best friend. Uh, to say that I love him, it's no exaggeration. Uh, if he needed a kidney transplant and we were compatible, I would give him my kidney. That picture was taken over the parklands. We enjoy going to the parklands quite often. And we enjoy going, he and I, uh, I have another dog, uh, I have an, a cat at home, I love them equally. I don't even remember their names, but I promise you I love them equally. But Kennedy and I, we spend a lot of time together and we go, he and I, and we hike in the parklands for a good five, six, seven miles. By the time that I get home, I'm physically tired, but I'm not exhausted. I'm not experiencing weariness. I'm actually somehow re-energized. That picture is so photogenic. I took that picture. It was a beautiful winter morning. We were hiking. We were having a great time. That's not what I experienced after the quarantine. That's not what I'm experiencing about after endless meetings, after working from home, after going to Walmart and having to be sure that I'm wearing a mask, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing a different level of tiredness. And in the passage that we just read, God is saying that through Jesus Christ, he has promised a different kind of rest to us. In regular basis, we are experiencing weariness in the middle of a pandemic, driving less than before, we find ourselves tired. This is a sense of, of a high awareness of tomorrow. We are emotionally, we are cognitively, and we're physically tired because we know that tomorrow will come. We know that tomorrow I'll have to work. I know that tomorrow I have bills to pay and things that I need to take care of. I'm also tired because embedded in our American narrative is the idea that we have to be productive. We work in, in, in jobs and positions that we don't like. 
to buy things that we don't need because that's the way that we are supposed to be. It's embedded in our American narrative that we are to, to be self-made men and women, that we are supposed to be pioneers, that we are supposed to acquire material possessions. We're sleeping less than before. Even when we sleep longer than before, we wake up exhausted. We experience emotional uh, uh, symptoms. We are not eating as we used to eat. We find ourselves completely uh, angry at things that we shouldn't be angry. And somehow, we just experience discomfort. And that's the definition of weariness. When I go and hike with Kennedy, I do not experience that. But at the end of the week, I experience weariness. And Jesus says, Lord says, and the book of Hebrews says, that the Lord does not want us to experience that. Jesus continues to be the answer to our weariness. So far, the author of Hebrews is developing an argument that Jesus is better than anything that we find in the Old Testament. Jesus is superior to the angels, he says in chapter 1. Jesus is superior to Moses, and everything that Moses represented, he says in chapters 2 and 3. At the end of chapter 3, he says, Jesus is superior to the law, and specifically the commandments, as both Moses and the law were pointing to our inability to fulfill the law and our need of Jesus Christ in our lives. He also develops an argument. It's a, it's a somehow complicated passage, right? We read it. It doesn't matter what language you're reading. It's, it's a little bit confusing of a passage. But the author is developing the argument that the people of Israel were given the promise of rest and they fail to enter rest they fail to enter because they lack belief they did not believe the author of hebrews says he's actually drawing a comparison between the people of israel that left egypt they they wander in the desert for about 40 years but they could not enter in God's rest, they also experience weariness. My purpose today is to show you and to encourage you to experience God's rest in three different ways. And I think that we can find a very good picture of what resting in the Lord through Jesus Christ is in the book of De Deuteronomy. So I want to take you there, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. The Lord says in that passage, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day you are to rest. You are to rest dedicating yourself to the Lord your God. When you're resting, no one in your household is supposed to do any work. 
This includes you, your sons, and your daughters, your male and your female workers, your animals, your donkeys, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All of your male and female workers are to rest as you are resting. Remember that the Lord took you out of Egypt. The Lord brought you out of Egypt with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest one day a week. The Lord is saying, you can try to rest on your own. You can try to rest on your own, but unless you're resting through Jesus Christ, you are not going to experience the fullest of the rest that I have prepared for you. If you notice, you know the passage. This is one of the commandments. And the commandments are given two times. The first one, it's very short. But in the second time, when the people of Israel are about to enter the promised land, suddenly the commandment about resting becomes the most important of all of them. God wants you to rest, but God wants you to rest according to his heart and according to his will. The second generation, when they're given the commandment about rest, God is looking for their hearts, not about mere obedience. Now let me clarify that a minute. This is a good example. You know, my wife, sometimes she would come to me now that we are like um, dieting on Netflix, right? It has to be part of your day. Like you have to have Netflix. And, and suddenly you find yourself like, when did this happen? Like, when did we scare? Oh yeah, the quarantine once again. That's when it happened. And my wife the other day told me, she said, hey, don't you wanna watch a movie with me? And I didn't have to say anything, right? I mean, our movie tastes are so far apart from, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, right? I want a movie that makes me think, right? That's, that's how pretentious I am with my movies. I want a movie that makes me think. She just wants to move a romantic comedy, right? So she came and said, hey, do, do you want to watch Love Actuality? I think it's the name of the movie. In my face, I was like, no, please, I don't. And, and she said, but, but that's okay. And I said, no, 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 I'll watch it. And she said, no, I want you to want watch the movie. And I'm like, how does that work? Like, I'll, I'll watch it because of you. And she's like, no, 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 I want you to want to watch the movie. It's like, okay, give me, give me a couple of hours. I'll go hiking with Kennedy and I'll come back and we can watch the movie. That's the difference between the two commandments. The first set of commandments is given to the people of Israel in the book of Exodus that were following out of a mere simplistic obedience. They didn't believe in the promise of the Lord. That's why they didn't see the promised land. But the second time that is given to them, God says, I don't want your mere obedience. I want your heart. I want you to want to rest, but to rest in me in the way that I want you to rest. That's why the book of Hebrews is saying, it's not about just following. It's about believing. It's not about mere obedience. 
It's about God wanting our hearts. You can take Saturday off. You can take Sunday off. But if you're not resting according to what the Lord is wanting from your heart, you're going to wake up Monday equally tired. God is after your heart, not mere obedience. You see, in Jesus, rest is not a day to pause labor. It's a day to rest as if there was no work left to be done in the world. You see, in Jesus Christ, the rest and the Sabbath are not days to indulge yourself, but to reflect. It's a day to experience. In Jesus, rest is not about having, but about being. It's not about owning, but about giving. It's not about controlling, but about sharing. It's not about to subdue, but to be in one accord. And because of that, I think that Jesus is encouraging us to do three things. And I promise you, I'm being mindful of the time. In Jesus' rest, the first thing that we see in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12, is that when we encounter Jesus in rest, we enjoy relational awareness. We enjoy relational awareness. Look at the passage, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Observe the day of rest by keeping it holy as the Lord has commanded you to do it. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day you are to rest. And on that day, no one in your household will do any work. This includes you and your sons, your daughter, your male and your female workers. And then again, he says, all of your male and female servants must rest the same way as you do. You see, when we, when we rest in Jesus, we develop our relational awareness. When we rest in Jesus, we realize that the people, each one of the individuals around us, it serves a purpose, a relational purpose in my life. Unless you're able to stop from your endless six days labor, people are just going to be tools in your hand. People are just going to serve a purpose in your life because they become commodities. And the Lord is saying, rest, and everyone in your house is supposed to rest. So you are appreciating who they are and what they bring into your life. We rest knowing that we need people because we love them. Not because we don't love them, because we need them. There's a big difference. The Lord is saying, in the rest, in the Sabbath, the day that you're resting, you are to understand that everyone is equal. It amazes me. It amazes me that at the core of the rest that we find in Jesus, the Lord is inviting us to see that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your employers are. It doesn't matter who your employees are. Everyone is supposed to rest. 
It don't matter the size of your bank account. It don't matter the size of your house. It don't matter the size of your property. Everyone becomes the same because we all rest. You want to know if someone is walking with the Lord? You want to know if someone is resting the way Jesus wants us to rest? Look at the way that they treat the people they work for. Look at the way that they treat the people that they actually employ. Because the Lord says, everyone, everyone is supposed to rest. Not only that, God's word takes it even farther. And says not only the people that we work with, not only your family, but even those people that don't look like you, those people that don't speak like you, those people that you call foreigners, those people are to rest the same way that you are to rest. Unless we recognize that in Sabbath and in rest, we increase our relational awareness, we will never be able to fully rest. So my invitation to you, the first invitation is, dedicate some time. Dedicate some time throughout your week. Allocate some time that you can actually sit down with your neighbors and do absolutely nothing but enjoy their presence in your lives. I'm from a different generation. Um, um, I don't want to tell you how old am I, but uh, now I'm making fun of millennials and Gen Z, right? That's how old am I? I remember those, gee, I'm sounding like my dad, it's funny. But I remember those days there was only one phone in the house, right? And it was in the kitchen, right? And your mom was always angry. It didn't matter, it didn't matter how many times you tried to explain to her, mom, it don't matter how many calls you get. They don't charge you by the minute. She would be upset, right? She would answer the phone. It would be like, Hope, or she would call me Jovito, which is little Hope. That's, that's what she would call me when I was in trouble. They're calling you again, your friend this or your friend that or whatever. And I remember when I was in high school, they would call me and my friend, my friend Cesar, he would call me and he would be like, dude, dude, you want to hang out? Uh, yeah. What are we doing? I don't know. Let's just hang out. Do you remember those days? You would enjoy people just for the presence of being with people. That's what the Lord is inviting you to do. Don't worry about creating an agenda. Sit down with your family for the purpose of enjoying their presence. Sit down with your neighbors with the purpose of enjoying their presence. And rest, rest. In the Lord. The second thing that the passage is encouraging us to do is to remember that when we encounter Jesus in rest, we develop contemplative spirituality. And by the way, I'm so glad that my wife is not here and she's not watching. I know she's not. She would be like, why do you have to use so complicated words? And I'm looking at that and it's like, yeah, that's too complicated. When we encounter Jesus in rest, God gave us the ability to enjoy Him in nature. Look at the passage. Again, the, se the, the second time that the commandment is given. You are to rest 
The people are you, around you are to rest, but also your animals, your donkeys, and your livestock are to rest. In God's original purpose, meat factories never existed. In God's original purpose and rest, even the creation rests on the Sabbath. And here's the thing. We do that, that we can encounter God through his creation. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, you're one of those tree lovers people. You, you really are. This. I'm not. Scripture says over and over and over again that when we look at the majesty of the sky, we're reminded of the power of the Lord. Scripture says over and over again that the trees clap and sing praises to the Lord. I never understood that passage. Growing up in Mexico City, you know, having a, a tiny square of three feet by three feet, that's a garden, right? There's no space. And I never understood that passage until I came to Kentucky on a bright, windy, summery day. And you walk outside your house and you look at the trees as they're bending back and forth. And you hear the noise of the branches and the leaves. And you come to the sudden realization, that's what the Bible talks about. That rhythm, that music that creation makes is what God is inviting me to reflect when I rest. But here's the thing. If you don't rest, you're going to abuse creation. And don't get me wrong. We are to use creation, but not to abuse creation. When was the last time that you rest and did nothing but contemplate God's beautiful country? When was the last time that you took a walk, you were paying attention to the flowers and, and to every little manifestation of God's creativity and His creation? You see, God and His design has provided an opportunity for us to let creation rest and to learn to enjoy God's presence in creation. I want to invite you. I don't know where you live. I don't know where your house is at, but I know that you live in Kentucky, and it doesn't take much for us to get to a place that we can enjoy God's creation. We have to pleasure ourselves as we enjoy and meditate and contemplate and take in everything that God has created for us. The last thing that I want to invite you to is that in this passage, to recognize that when we encounter Jesus in rest, we experience an identity reorientation. We experience identity reorientation. Look at, look at verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, verse 15. Remember, the Lord says, that you were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out of it with his strong hand and powerful arm. And because I brought you out of Egypt, that's why, he says, you rest on the seventh day. 
So the people of Israel were slaves. We know the story. You know the story. They were slaves. And the only thing that they were actually doing was making bricks. That was the identity of the people of Israel. They were brick makers. That defined who they were. And the Lord says, I took you out of Egypt, so you are not longer defined by the things that you produce. God says, unless you rest, and unless you come to enjoy the rest that I have prepared for you, you are going to be defined by the things that you do. I enjoy that exercise. Take a minute. I encourage you, talk to your wife later on today, talk to your husband, your family, and ask the simplest questions. Who are you? I promise you that nine times out of ten, people will define themselves by the things they do. Oh, I'm a pastor. No, I didn't ask you what you do. I asked who you were. Oh, I'm a student. No, I didn't ask you what you're doing right now. Who you are is not defined by who you're doing today. Who are you? I'm a mom, I'm a dad. Greatest goal of everything, but that's one of your roles in your life. The Lord says, unless you rest according to my will, you will never embrace the fact that you're a redeemed individual by the power of the Lord. You're not defined by the things that you do. You're not defined by how much you produce. You're not longer a brick maker. You're a son and a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are part of the family of our Father in heaven. And the only time that you can do that is by resting in the Lord. So I conclude with this. I don't know what you have planned for the rest of the day. I really don't. But I want to encourage you, maybe not today, maybe next Saturday, next Sunday, I want you to take, take time away your agenda. I want you to say, I want you to say this, for the next four, five, six hours, I'm going to turn my cell phone off. I'm not going to look at those emails. I'm not going to answer any phone calls. You know what? Creation was here before you were born, and creation will carry on after you're gone. You see, God doesn't need of your labor to keep the world turning. You can let go for a few hours. Or do you really think that what you have and who you are is because of your effort? God in his wisdom has given to you. And it's out of that that you can let go. Let, let your brain rest. Let, you, don't, you don't need another notification. You, you don't need to. Uh, you, you don't. Let me push even deeper. If someone is demanding your attention during a time that you have decided to rest, I would invite you to reconsider the nature of that relationship. If people don't understand that you need to rest for a few hours, for half a day, there's something ill in that relationship. Emergencies happen. And I'm the first one. Keep my cell phone on every single night next to my bed. 
And I've been in America 11 years, and no one has ever called me past 9 p.m. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. You see, only in Jesus, only in Jesus we understand the six days a week we live under the tyranny of things and space. But in Jesus, we rest and we try to become in tune with our own holiness in time. In Jesus' rest, we become aware and rejoice of what's truly eternal. Our redeemed identity, the creation that God has given to us for its stewardship and contemplation, and the pleasure of enjoying each other's presence. As a worship team is coming to lead us in another song, I want to invite you to pray. I want you to close your eyes. And I just want to invite you to consider one thing, one thing alone. I've said multiple things today. I probably said too much. But I'm sure that among all the things that I said, the Lord has given you a phrase or a thought that you, you, you want to hold on to. And not only that, God in his wisdom will take that thought and will lead you to action. The passage says that the people of Israel, they heard, but they didn't do. That's why they didn't enjoy God's rest. I want to invite you to actually do and do something about that. I don't know what that is, but you do. And Father, as we're thinking of the restlessness that we have experienced recently, we want to ask for your guidance, Lord. We don't know how to rest. Father, we don't. We think, we think that it's an opportunity to do nothing but to indulge ourselves, to watch, to eat, Father, to drink, or to get to do whatever we want to do. That's why we wake up. That's why Monday comes around and we're exhausted again. That's why it's so hard for us to do what we're supposed to do because we're not stopping. We're so selfish. We, we many times forget that even you, you rested. And we think that somehow we are more powerful or stronger than you, that we don't need to rest. Father, I, I want to pray for myself, but I want to pray also for my brothers and sisters. Father, you know that I have been thinking for the longest time to invite my neighbors over my house and I just haven't done it Lord because I don't want to make the proper preparations to have them over Father but I want you to teach me that it's through that that you would give me true rest give me the awareness Father of the people around me and how they play a role in my life relationally they're not just people that I use to get what I want. There are relationships that I need to cherish. Father, I want to ask you that you would give me the ability to pause and to enjoy creation, to look at the stars in all, Father, to look at the birds, 
to look at the at the blue chase and to look at the red robins and father to to look at the pigeons and father at the woodpeckers and, and all of the words that you have given to us and just to be mesmerized by your creativity and your power. Father, an equally important, give me the ability to know that I'm defined by my relationship in you, not the things that I produce. I'm no longer, Father, a slave in Egypt. I don't have to worry about the size of my paycheck. I have to worry about following your kingdom and to trust that everything else will be added. Be with us, Father, as we pray and as we lift our voices to you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.